Welcome to Main Menu for the week of January 30th through February 6th, 2015. I'm your host, David Tanner, and I am glad that you are with us today here on Main Menu. I want to thank Jeff Bishop for setting in for me for the last couple or so weeks. Jeff does a fantastic job, and he has done a fantastic job in hosting Main Menu, and I really appreciate it. While I've been very busy during January with a number of other things, including the annual convention of ACB Minnesota, and that was last weekend, and that was a very busy time for me and so I greatly appreciate Jeff setting in and doing a fantastic job and bringing us some really great information and all of the greatest information on the top technology of 2014 and many other things that Jeff brought us during that time. Well, we have a lot of exciting things coming up over the next weeks and months here on Main Menu. You're not going to want to miss Main Menu over the next several months because we have a number of exciting things planned for Main Menu, and I think you're going to get a lot of really exciting news and information here on Main Menu, and it is good to be back with you, and glad to see all of you back here with us again this week here on Main Menu. We want to get into talking about a few of the new things going on in the technology field that have just happened, and then getting into our show for this evening. Well, for one thing, if you hadn't heard, in just the last few days... The folks at KNFB have come up with a new lower price on KNFB Reader. You might want to jump out to the iOS app store and grab that if you don't already have it. It is currently on sale for $49.99 instead of the price of $99.99. So, wow, half price. Grab it while you got the chance. There isn't any indication that this price will be going back up. So as far as we know at this time, the new price is $49.99. And so if you haven't gotten KNFB Reader yet, you may want to jump out there to the iOS webpage and uh, get that new KNFB Reader app. NVDA has an interesting new voice called Edward that is currently in public beta and you can get it at the NVDA webpage. And Edward is the new voice and Edward is supposed to sound a lot like Eloquence. So those of you who are familiar with Eloquence, you may want to hop out there and get that to add to your NVDA. It is an NVDA add-on and will be a perhaps better voice for those of you who don't particularly care for the eSpeak voices that have been coming with NVDA. So now you can add Edward and maybe have a speech software that you'll like a little better as far as the voice. That's some of the latest in the assistive technology new releases. All right, well, today on Main Menu, we are going to be airing the first part of a two-part program because the original was over a two-hour presentation that Microsoft did back in about the middle of January on new features coming up in Windows 10. As you may know, they are saying that Windows 10 will come out around April or so, and so we're getting close, and 
the part that you're going to hear today is the first half of this introduction to Windows 10. This is their second presentation of features for Windows 10, and they are announcing quite a number of new features and new ways of doing things and these changes that they are announcing today will not only be for the Windows 10 on your computer but they will also be for Windows 10 on your mobile devices such as your Windows smartphone. So this is going to be a very interesting presentation. I think you'll get a lot of interesting information and if you aren't currently testing Windows 10 Preview you might want to get out to the Windows page, windows.com, and check into that and sign up for it and put it on your computer and start trying it out. Microsoft is very interested in hearing your comments and suggestions about the new features in Windows 10 and what you think about them and how they could be improved or what you think the features are that make the new Windows 10 particularly interesting to you. We will be airing that here in just a couple of minutes, the first half of that, and then next week we'll be hearing the last part of that. So let's go ahead now and get into that presentation. You have a great week, and we'll see you back here again next week on Main Menu. We are currently looking for listeners who are willing to review any type of accessible technology for us here on Main Menu. If you are interested in doing a review of a product that you own, or an interview with its vendor, then please contact us and let us know what you're interested in doing. Before you begin to record a segment, it is important to contact us so that we can ensure that it hasn't already been covered on our program. To get in contact with us, please send an email to mainmenu at acbradio.org and let us know what demonstration or interview you would like to do. Once you have completed your recording, please again send an email to mainmenu at acbradio.org and let us know how we might get the file from you and if it will need any further editing. We can get files from you in any method such as SenseBase or Dropbox, any way that works for you. Once we receive your file, we will let you know when it will be aired on Main Menu. Presentations from our listeners are always interesting and well-received by the rest of the listeners, so if this interests you, please get in touch with us. Thank you for your interest, and we look forward to hearing from you on the show very soon. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Terry Meyerson. Thank you. Hello, everyone. It's great to be back together to talk about the next generation of Windows. Windows 10. It's great to see some familiar faces, some new faces, and welcome the many, many more that are joining via webcast today, particularly our Windows insiders. This is the second of several Windows 10 conversations we're planning to have with you, and we've got a lot to share over the next two hours. We're hoping to cover three things. The first, how the feedback we've received, received since introducing Windows 10 is truly helping to shape the future of Windows 10. And then, we will share the most comprehensive view yet of new experiences coming to Windows 10. You'll see Cortana like never before. You'll see entirely new ways of being productive and having fun. And you'll see some amazing new devices enabled by Windows 10. 
And then Satya will join us to discuss Windows and its importance to Microsoft. Now, we introduced Windows 10 last September. Let me recap the key points from that discussion. First and foremost, Windows 10 will provide a seamless transition for our Windows 7 and Windows 8 customers, including the familiar desktop and start menu. And Windows 10 will be our best enterprise platform ever, enabling our enterprise customers to be more productive than ever before, simplifying management and deployment for IT, and working seamlessly with existing enterprise apps. But most importantly, Windows 10 will protect corporate data better than ever. In fact, the hardware-based security of Windows 10 would have countered the techniques used in several of the recent headline-making attacks. And Windows 10 will support the broadest device family ever. Of course, it will work great on the laptop and the desktop, the most productive devices on the planet with keyboard, mouse, and touch. Our hardware partners are doing amazing work in this area, introducing several new designs at CES, thinner and lighter, with amazing screens. The Windows 10 Continuum experience enables these incredible two-in-one devices that switch back and forth between the keyboard mouse mode and the touch tablet mode. Windows 10 on tablets, phablets, and phones will provide the best mobile experience for our Windows and Xbox users. With Windows 10, universal Windows apps come to Xbox One, the most fun game console ever. And Windows 10 has support for today's maker boards, enabling makers to do incredible things with Windows in the fast-growing Internet of Things space. Windows 10 is the only platform that enables innovation across this broad family of devices. Developers can target all of these device types with one platform and one store. And stay tuned until later today as our device family expands. Now, since September, we have received a lot of feedback from customers, partners, and press. But the most important feedback has come from our Windows Insider program. We're humbled that 1.7 million have signed up to shape Windows 10 with us. They've installed Windows 10 over 3 million times on a broad spectrum of PCs. This is a testament, I think, to not only the quality of Windows 10 this early, but the commitment these insiders are showing to the program. Collectively, these insiders have shared with us over 800,000 pieces of feedback on over 200,000 topics. And our team is really embracing this feedback and leaning in to this new open development process. And I wanted to let you hear directly from the engineers on the team. The Windows Insider program is a global program. It provides essential feedback directly to Microsoft and directly to the hands of PMs and developers building the product. We went through the effort to ask questions and give our engineers the capability to get your feedback because we want to make the best possible product that we can for you. It will result in a better global product for Windows. Windows Insiders are hugely important to us. We love you guys. We see our relationship with Insiders as a partnership where we work together to build the best Windows 10 possible. You know there are 1.5 billion people in the world who use Windows. When we get your feedback, it makes it easier for us to make sure the product matches your reputation, matches your reputation. So thank you. We really appreciate the fact that you are giving time out to give us feedback on this, and we truly appreciate that. This feedback that you send through the Windows feedback applications gets sent to a Microsoft data center, and then we process this into something that's intelligible for engineers. This appears on various dashboards that engineers can use, all the way up to our VPs. They're looking at this on a daily basis, and they hold us accountable. This is really the future of building Windows. We're doing it together. 
but we're getting feedback from 226 different geographies around the world. And we owe it to you to read each one of those comments that you give us and to take actions on it. We know how much time and dedication you are giving us. Without you, we wouldn't be where we are today. When we started Windows 10, we had a vision of having our window switchers, so Alt-Tab, Task-View, and one of the pieces of feedback we received was people love that, but they thought Alt-Tab was a little too jarring. And so we made a change based on your feedback to make Alt-Tab a little more familiar, but still retain all those benefits. There actually is a real translation between feedback that's given and impact or changes that we're making in the products. We're listening. Thank you for all you have done so far, and um, we will definitely repay your investment with a great release. You're showing us your commitment to Windows. We want you to know that we're committed to you. There simply isn't a path forward for Windows without a direct connection with the customer. The Windows Insider program gives us that connection at an earlier phase than in any other time in the history of Windows. We're co-creating the future of Windows with you. One of the beautiful things about this program is that I kind of feel connected to people in Tokyo who love Windows just as much as I do. This is not just a Redmond thing, this is a global thing. So wherever you are, it's our window. To all the insiders tuned in today, a special thank you from everyone on the team. Your feedback and your time are really helping to shape the future of Windows. And if you have not joined, now is the time. Please go to windows.com and sign up for free. So now, so now, Windows has always been grounded in the idea that technology should help individuals and organizations do great things. At that time, we identified three areas that were ripe for innovation and improving our customers' lives. We think of these areas, three areas, as moving windows from our heritage of enabling a single device to what we're calling more personal computing. The first of these areas was mobility of experience. The number of smart devices that families, ourselves, or in the workplace is just exploding all around us. It should be easy to put one device down and pick another up, pick another, and continue where you left off. The technology needs to get out of the way and provide mobility of the experience. The second area was trust. In our connected world, we know that people care about their privacy, and so do we. So everything we do puts the customer in control because you are our customer, not our product. And the third, natural interactions. Interacting with technology should be as natural as in interacting with people. Voice, pen, gest gestures, and your gaze should help you get more out of your devices in an additive and intuitive way, the right interaction in the right way at the right time. So I want to share with you two cinemagraphs we created back then during the earliest days of Windows 10. Before we wrote a line of code, we wanted the team to be visualizing the world in which Windows 10 would live and how Windows 10 would add value for our customers. These cinemagraphs inspired us and got us dreaming about more personal computing. First, we envision the workplace. There's that explosion of devices, many running Windows, some not. And while these individual devices offer value, they struggle to work well together. The apps are different. The content is hard to move around between my devices. And not only my devices, but those of my colleagues and the company. Every meeting starts with a dance about how to project or ends with this discussion about how do we get meeting notes out or the whiteboard out to everyone involved. The mobility of the experience just isn't there. You should be able to print with a flick or transfer a Skype call with a simple, natural, and intuitive gesture. And businesses need to trust that their corporate data is protected and managed as it moves between all of these devices. We were inspired to bring more personal computing to the workplace. And then at home, 
we had that same explosion of smart devices. PCs, phones, tablets, game consoles, smart appliances, and innovative new devices like wearables. Whether doing homework or playing a great game, the opportunity is there to make an experience that is more mobile across the devices. We see a world where you can share that experience across all the devices using ink, voice, gestures, and gaze, making technology really come to life. And with devices being brought home from work and younger and younger kids having their own devices, it's important that our customers' privacy is respected and they trust the devices and the experience to bring more personal computing to the home and the workplace to enable our customers to do great things. Now to do this, we need our work in the hands of our customers. But not just our work, but the great work being done by Windows developers. We all know that developers are always looking for their next customer, their next million customers, and we're gonna help them find their next billion customers with Windows 10. Now today, Windows customers are spread across many versions. This fragmentation makes it challenging for developers to delight our customers with applications. So we have been investing heavily in making our upgrades as seamlessly as possible for our customers to create a large, up-to-date customer base for developers. We have helped almost 200 million consumers upgrade seamlessly to the latest update of Windows 8.1. And we have helped over 650 million consumers upgrade seamlessly from Windows 7 to Windows 7 SP1. For each of these customers, the security of their system improved. They received new capabilities and features, making them more productive, enabling them to play new games, enabling them to do more. But the engineering work to enable a seamless upgrade is only the first part. So I'm very excited to announce that for the first year after Windows 10 is available, we will be making available a free upgrade to Windows 10 to all devices running Windows 8.1. And we will also be making available a free upgrade to Windows 10 to all devices running Windows Phone 8.1. And last but not least, for the first year after Windows 10 is available, we will be making available a free upgrade to all of our customers still running Windows 7. Now, this is so much more, though, than a free one-time upgrade. Once a device is upgraded to Windows 10, we will be keeping it current for the supported lifetime of the device, keeping it secure, introducing new features and functionality to our customers over time. In fact, with Windows 10, we think of Windows as a service. In the next couple of years, one could reasonably think of Windows as one of the largest internet services on the planet. And just like other internet services, the question, what version are you running, will cease to make sense. This is great for our Windows developers. Not only can they target all device types with one application, PCs, phones, tablets, Xbox, the internet of things, but now they can target every single Windows device. Windows is a service makes Windows 10 the most attractive Windows development platform ever. And what about the enterprise? We will continue to support the way Windows works today with long-term branches and long-term support. 
However, the best practice for most enterprises, and certainly all daily productivity devices that our customers use, will be to directly connect those devices to Windows Update, so those devices receive the best security and the best productivity functionality over time as soon as they are available. When you take back and consider the, con the implications of Windows as a service, today really is a monumental day for Windows. Windows as a service is great for consumers, it's great for developers, and it's great for the security of our enterprise customers. Windows 10 is so much more than the latest version of Windows. Windows 10 changes the rules of the game and redefines the relationship between us and our customers. So by now, I'm sure you want to see Windows 10 devices and experiences in action. So I'm going to invite up four of our leaders to show you more of Windows 10. First, Joe Belfiore will join us to show you the most productive Windows 10 experiences ever on PCs, 2-in-1s, and, ta and tablets, and for the first time, Windows 10 on a phone. Then Phil Spencer will join us to discuss gaming on Windows 10. And then Hyatt Gallo and Alex Kitman will join us to discuss two entirely new Windows experiences. So please join me in welcoming Joe B. Morning. Uh, hi there, I'm Joe Belfiore, and I manage a part of Terry's team that's focused on PCs, tablets, and phones. And I'm excited to be here today with all of you to give you a first look at Windows 10 and how we've updated across that wide range of devices. He kind of gave an intro already, so are you all ready? Would you like to see a demo? Yes, demo, yeah, all right. Let's uh, come right over here. And the first thing I want to do is recap some of the work that we've done on the core experience in the PC since we first announced Windows 10 back in September and started up our Insider program. So you can see here I've got my demo machine set up. The taskbar is a little more streamlined here. We have our search box that we added throughout the as we were going along the Insider program. I'll open up the Start menu. You'll see the visuals have evolved a little bit there. And one of the features that people have asked about a lot we now have in our builds that's the ability to take the start menu full screen so all those people with touch devices or that are comfortable with and like the Windows 8 style of UI for the start menu now have a customization option that lets them use it the PC the way they would like and of course I can go right back here and put it back to its small mode which is familiar to those people coming from Windows 7 now another of the areas that our insiders asked about and that there were a bunch of questions around was how are we going to deal with the touch gestures and how is the the charms bar going to evolve. And I want to show you here, when I pan in from the right, we now bring up our updated action center. And the action center is the place where you can do quick actions, like down here on the bottom, I can expand these quick action buttons. And you'll see I have things like a fast way to turn on or off airplane mode. Up above, we have notifications. And these are coming from all the apps that you have installed on your system. And one of the cool new things in this build, um, I can expand these notifications here. And you'll see that applications can add in things like buttons or images or edit controls. So as notifications appear, you can interact directly with the app in a way that the software developer designs up front. Now, one last thing I want to show here in this sort of core experience evolution is how we're evolving our settings experience. So uh, I'm going to go right here and touch all settings. We've heard our insiders say that they'd like us to fix up the confusion between the control panel and the settings in Windows 8. So we're going to bring those things together in one UI that'll be familiar to people coming from Windows 7 and uh, handy for people used to Windows 8. So that's the core, sort of the core shell. 
The other thing that we really talked about in September that's very important to Windows 10 is the Continuum feature. And Continuum is about enabling a two-in-one device like this, which I've been using like a laptop, to transform elegantly into sort of a tablet form factor. So let me uh, restore some windows here, and you'll see I've got a bunch of windows open in various positions on the screen. Uh, I can move those around, use my mouse and keyboard. But when I remove the mouse and keyboard, you'll see we get a little pop-up here. Do you want to enter tablet mode? I'll choose that, and now my windows are full screen. And I can use this in a very natural way like a tablet. I can left swipe in to get task switching and then switch between full screen apps. If I touch the start button there, you'll see it's now automatically the full screen start menu, which I can use touch gestures to navigate around. And then, when I'm done using it like a tablet, I snap the keyboard back in, I get a prompt, I can exit tablet mode, and now I'm right back to where I was, able to use it like a PC with windows that are restored, the start menu back in its small size. And the whole point is a device like this elegantly transforms from one mode to another. And it's happening in a natural way without the UI being something that's confusing to people. And one of the things that we haven't really spent a lot of time showing is how that continuum experience enables great new PC form factors to feel really natural, like this 8-inch tablet. So here on the 8-inch tablet, which is running that same version of Windows, I'm going to use it like a tablet in this normal way. I can do those same edge swipes you saw. I can use my finger to do things like close apps. So I'll pull that app down to close it. And, and one of the things that insiders have asked about, is this going to work with Win32 apps the same way? Well, absolutely. I can deal with all my apps, whether they're written to the modern platform or the Win32 platform, in a consistent way and use this device like a tablet. Now, the other thing that I could do here, uh, I can switch between apps. I'll pan in from the left. I'll go to my sports app. But this tablet device, of course, running all the capable features of Windows is a highly powerful kind of thing. I can use touch gestures to move an app over here to the side, and I'm going to do some sports and health and fitness at the same time. I can tie all these apps, then I can use touch to move the midpoint. And then, of course, because this is running a full version of, PC, a full version of Windows, it's a full PC, if I exit that tablet mode, I've got regular Windows with my full taskbar right down here on the, on the bottom, entirely familiar to anyone using using a full PC, and you can imagine a small device like this getting docked to a keyboard and mouse and a large screen, and for someone who's a mobile task worker, it works like a tablet while you're out and about, and then it works exactly like a PC when you bring it back and dock it. Thank you, Holly. So that gives you a sense of how the work that we talked about back in September and these core features has evolved since we've done those builds, and how that core experience of Windows really elegantly enables a wide range of device form factors to work naturally the way people will expect in a UI that's familiar to whichever mode of the device they're in. Okay, so that's the part where I want to recap stuff that we've already talked about. From here on out, it's all new. And before I jump into some new demos, I want to point out to all of you in the room and to our insiders on screen, I'm going to be showing you builds that are not finished. Um, and so there's a bit of risk in this demo. And in the interest of having our insiders and all of you with us throughout the development process, we're going to see some glitches. But it's our psychology now to involve people in that development process. Um, and I know you're all curious to see. So these features will be coming. I'm going to show you a range of features. They'll be coming over the next three, four, five months at varied points of time in our insider builds, and you're going to get to see where they're at today. Okay? So for the first new feature I'm going to show, I need a little help. Uh, uh, I know she's here somewhere. Luckily, I can simply summon to the stage, hey, Cortana. Hey, Joe. What have you been up to lately? Well, this morning I set a reminder for you. 
Lovely. You too? It seems like everyone's in on that. Anything that doesn't involve my hair? I correctly predicted most of the World Cup games. Yes, we know you're very smart. You have the Bing engine scouring the internet and learning everything about everything. You can make predictions. If you really want to show off, though, who's your pick for the Super Bowl? For you, Joe, Hawks by 78 and a half. Exactly. You know, I heard you've been telling other people something different than that. I guess this proves you really are a personal digital assistant just for me. Um, I know you've been really busy. You've been getting yourself landed on the Microsoft Band. You've been traveling to lots of new places. How do you like meeting people in all these other countries? I love it. It's fantastic. Fantastic. Fantastico. Jolly good. Very nice. I imagine those phrases are coming in handy in all these countries that you're now in. Um, I understand you've learned a few languages, too. Seven, actually. But my favorite new thing are impersonations. When 900 years old, you look as good. You will not. Yeah, I, I expect not. It sounds like you've been practicing that one a little bit. Any other big news? Do you mean like... Hey, that's not news yet. Just so you know, I didn't say anything. Yeah, I wasn't suspecting you. You didn't need to with all these folks on the job. So it's official? Let's you and I make it official right now. Cortana, we're excited to welcome you to the PC. All right. So would you folks like to see how we're going to change the PC user experience by adding in a new natural interaction with Cortana running on real builds? Yes, you're all busy typing. Okay, let's switch over here to a demo machine, and I'm going to show you Cortana running on the PC. And I want you to keep in mind, early builds, early builds. Now, you'll notice here in the, in the builds that we're working on that our insiders will get a chance to try, down here on the taskbar, you'll see Cortana has a home. And that's because you could go there to click and type, but it's all Cortana will occasionally pop up notifications and useful information because, after all, she's personal, she's personal and knows things about you, and she's there to be helpful. Now, remember Terry mentioned we're really trying to develop the natural interaction for all these devices. So, of course, we can talk to Cortana, too. Hey, Cortana, how does it feel to be on a PC? Feeling groovy. I'm glad you are, Cortana. And, you know, you all probably are aware that Cortana lives in the cloud. She's been on Windows Phone for a while. And there's lots of things she can do that are helpful in terms of just answering quick questions. Hey, Cortana, will I need a coat tomorrow? You could probably go without one. The forecast for tomorrow shows rain with a high of 50 and a low of 48. Exactly. And as an entity that's built in the cloud based on Bing and learning all these things about the Internet, Cortana keeps getting smarter and smarter over time on whatever device she's on. So she's learned lots of interesting facts that you can now ask questions about. Um, here's one with a little bit of local relevance. Hey, Cortana, how much will it cost to attend the University of Washington? 12,394 US dollars in 2015. Exactly. So a lot of you are already familiar with Cortana, and one of the key premises of Cortana is that she's a personal digital assistant who gets to know things about you as you use your PC or your phone, whatever device you're using. And one of the important characteristics for us in designing this Cortana experience was to make sure that she felt like a trusted assistant and that anything she knew about you was transparent and available for you to manage. And Cortana is even aware of that fact herself. Hey Cortana, what do you know about me? 
Well, I have my notebook, so I know what you know you've let me know, you know? Yes, exactly. She knows what I've let her know about me. And at any time, people can go into the notebook to see what Cortana knows about them. So here's my notebook, and you see I like getting a daily glance of uh, my routine each morning. I track some stocks. I care about lots of sports news, um, and so on and so on and so on. And any time I can add new interests to Cortana's notebook manually if I'd like, I can remove things from here if she's learned them incorrectly or if I simply don't want her to know those things. And those interests make her smarter, not just when she answers questions, but also when she pops up information. And whenever you're here to engage with Cortana, the Cortana homepage shows up and you'll see helpful, th helpful things that she's providing to you proactively. You can see here she's tracking a flight that my wife is going to be on tonight. Here's some stock information, sports news. Obviously, I'm interested in news about the Super Bowl and so on and so on and so on. So that's Cortana's homepage experience right there. And she, that's available whenever I click to type. I know a lot of you have tried Cortana on the phone. And when we brought Cortana to the PC, we didn't want to just take only the phone experience and put it on the PC. We wanted to educate Cortana about PC kinds of things so that she would be uniquely useful on the PC device. So there's lots of things that we're teaching her to be able to do that are helpful on the PC. Hey, Cortana, show me PowerPoint slides about the charity auction. There we go. Cortana, part of the Cortana experience is a search capability that can look on your local hard drive, in your OneDrive, and even on your OneDrive for business to aggregate together documents that you might want to be able to find through natural queries, whether you're speaking them or typing them. And that's interesting for business use cases, but it's interesting sort of for personal use cases too. Hey, Cortana, show me photos from December. She understands all these data types, and like I said, she's looking at lots of different locations to pull that data together for you in a really natural way. Uh, another thing that we tried to do was to make sure that uh, Cortana, everything I've done so far has been via, spe via speech. But we know that lots of users, particularly a lot of Windows 7 users, are accustomed to typing today a limited range of commands into their PC. But now Cortana provides a very rich capability for typing commands into your PC. And we needed to tune this so this would work correctly for the muscle memory of all those Windows 7 users out there. So I can type any of those queries I've talked about so far, but also when I do things like type in the name of an app, Cortana is smart enough to filter her the choices that she can do for you as you're typing and then give you the most likely thing that you would want at the press of a return. So here I've typed in part of the word Skype. Cortana recognizes I probably want to launch the Skype app on my PC, but you'll see here as well, she understands all the apps in the store. So this is a way for her to help you find new useful functionality, which are apps in the store. She provides me a quick link to a website, I could jump to Skype.com, and a bunch of candidate web searches that I might do to get helpful information about Skype. Sometimes you'll see settings in there. It's a wide range of things that are all tuned for the PC use case, and you all can try that out when you get a chance to play around with the build. Now, another thing that we wanted to do is to think about the PC sort of as an object in a home or an office. And, and suddenly, having Cortana on your PC is almost like having another member of the family sitting around able to help you get things done. At my house, we have an all-in-one PC on a desk that's kind of at the corner of the kitchen and the family room. And with Cortana, now it's like there's someone there who I can ask to do things without changing where I am in the kitchen or the family room. Hey, Cortana, play my music. Queuing up your music. You can imagine the family dynamic now when you got this extra member of the family right there ready to tell you facts about the world or play your music or get things done. Luckily, you can say things like, hey Cortana, please be quiet. 
Pausing. I can imagine the change in family dynamics as everybody's asking the PC to do various things in terms of their music and so on. Um, and I got one last thing I want to show you with Cortana on the PC. And that is, uh, I want you to think about how having a speech interaction model that's rich and complete and natural in a way that we think people will really use the PC changes your ability to multitask and be effective and get things done. So I want you to imagine. Uh, imagine I'm a financial analyst or a, a, an account and I'm working in a giant spreadsheet. I'm one of these people, I've got like three screens filled with Excel cells, and I'm doing my formulas, I'm busy at work, and it occurs to me, oh, I wanted to get a reminder, I wanted to send somebody an email. Well, now I have a personal assistant right there with me whenever I'm using the PC, to, I can ask her to do things on my behalf. So here I am in my spreadsheet, I want to remember to send an email. I can just say, hey Cortana, send an email to Terry Meyerson. What's your email about? A very big moment. What do you want to say? This is Cortana's first email from a PC, comma, congratulations, exclamation point. Email Terry Meyerson about a very big moment. Saying this is Cortana's first email from a PC, congratulations. Send it, add more, or make changes. Send it. I've sent it. Great. We'll have Terry forward that onto the team. Hopefully you get a sense that Cortana on the PC really will provide a new natural way for people to interact with these PC devices, whether they're small light form factors you're carrying around or an all-in-one that's in a room of your home or office. Now, it is the world's most personal digital assistant, and now it's going to be available to millions and millions of people who will all have a chance to get to know Cortana and will continue making her smarter and more capable as time goes on. She has an integrated search capability that makes her able to do uniquely PC kinds of tasks like finding files and finding photos. And what you saw here is the current state of our builds. Um, this capability will be rolling out to insiders for us to work on and tune over the next several months, um, including getting to various countries as we ramp up towards our launch. So that is Cortana on the PC. Next, I'm going to change gears and talk a little bit about some devices that we haven't shown yet. I want to focus now on phones and small tablets. Um, now, as you've seen in a bunch of our presentations, and as Terry mentioned, Windows 10 is designed for a wide range of devices, a very wide range. But what we're doing is tailoring it to be appropriate in its user experience for certain form factors. And what you've seen so far is the tailored version of Windows 10 for devices that are 8 inches and above. So that's laptops, desktops, 2-in-1s, and even the 8-inch tablet that you saw me bring out on stage before. What I'm going to show you now is the Windows 10 version that's tailored for devices that are smaller than 8 inches. So think about small tablets and a wide range of phones at all, size, at all sizes. I'm going to show you a build that we are working on now to roll out to insiders in a little while. It is a little rough. Again, we're going to be looking at code that's being developed. But let me show you what the experience is like when we have Windows 10 on a phone or small tablet. So uh, what I have here is a Lumia 1520. Let me see if I can pull myself out here a little farther. This is a Lumia 1520 running a recent build of Windows 10. And I'm going to show you, first I'm going to focus just on the core experience and give you a sense of how it aligns with the PC, how it'll be a great companion to the PC. So let me unlock. And the first thing you'll notice, the start experience is quite familiar to people who've been using Windows Phone in the past. But if you look there, you can see in the background, I've got a full bleed customized background image, a nice, personaliz a nice personalization feature that a lot of our users have been asking for. If I pan over to the, we've 
promoted the recently installed apps right to the top of the app list. So they're really easy to find when you're installing and using apps. So another nice uh, feature that we've been getting lots of requests for. Uh, I want to show you the Action Center, which has added some new features and is now synced up with a PC. I can do things like dismiss single items that are shown here as notifications. I can now expand the action buttons just like you saw on the PC. So I get a completely consistent and familiar experience going from one device to another. Um, I also want to give you a quick look at the settings experience here, which again, we've implemented as a universal app to be the same across the PC, small tablets, tablets, and phones. It's a little more organized and easier for people to find things, something we've been getting a lot of requests for from people. Oh, look at this. I'm getting a text right in the middle of my demo. That can't be a coincidence, can it? Um, so I also wanted to give you a quick look at how we're evolving input and messaging, which we view as part of the core experience of phones. So uh, here I'm getting this text from Marcus. When is Cortana going to send her first email to the team? Well, she did that already. You guys saw that. Now I'm going to reply. And of course, I think you all are familiar with a WordFlow keyboard on Windows Phone today, which is terrific. It has built-in shape writing. It learns about the things that you type. Um, we've made some improvements there. I'm just going to give you a quick look here on this large screen phone. I can pull the keyboard right over to the right and then do my shape writing with one hand. So that's kind of cool. But I'm not going to do that right now because the theme for today is this natural interaction and lighting these devices up with natural interaction like speech. You'll notice as well, right there above the keyboard, there's now a microphone button. So anywhere I can type, I can now talk to reply or, or put text into the phone, which is a super handy thing to be able to do throughout the phone. I sent it to Terry Meyerson, and he's going to forward it. Hashtag, let the good times roll. So there you see, I talked to my phone, surprise, surprise, my text was recognized, but notice some of the details. I said Terry Meyerson, which of course is not a word in dictionaries, but he's a contact that I have, so that utterance was recognized, capitalized. You notice it, uh, it got the hashtag as a keyword, it put some punctuation at the end of the sentence. It will do these things automatically so that when I talk to the phone, the speech system is sophisticated enough to make the text come out just right. So let me send that text message along. Now, the last thing that I want to show you about the core experience on the phone, and then I'm going to talk about a bunch of value add across all these devices, is how we're going to improve the messaging experience. And to do that, we're going to switch over here to a motion study because this code is not yet ready for me to demo in a real build. What we're doing is we're building in support to the messaging app so that IP-based messaging systems, like the ones that mobile operators are rolling out, and Skype can be elegantly integrated right into messaging. So here you could see I was having an SMS conversation with Peter, but I switched over to Skype, and now, because the Skype network is so capable, as Peter is typing, as I'm getting my reply, you can see it, was sho it showed that he was typing, and the message came right in. We're going to be doing work to detect these Skype-capable endpoints and automatically move to Skype so that users get the richest possible messaging experience use that will communicate with the widest range of people, everyone on a mobile operator network and everyone on Skype, including the cross-platform devices on which Skype runs. So we're thrilled to be building that part of the experience with our Skype team right into messaging, right into calling, and so you'll have that rich Skype experience as part of the phone. So what you saw in the core experience of the phone and small tablet version of Windows 10 is 
It's tuned for devices under eight inches. Um, it's designed to go with your PC as a great companion. It's consistent and easy to learn. And with the Skype capability, we're gonna enable the widest range of people to communicate with each other richly using messaging, calling, and video. But to get a full view of the kinds of things that we're putting on phones and small tablets, and today it's not even a complete view, but to get the full view, I need to talk to you about universal apps because we are building a wide family of universal apps that will round out the experience on phones, small tablets, and PCs. Um, you, all, you all are aware that we have a platform for writing these universal apps that runs across devices, phones, tablets, PCs, even the Xbox. Um, and what we're doing is creating a family of apps that will be built in that will give our customers everything they need for modern productivity. So I'm going to show you a series of these apps. I'm going to show them to you on the phone and the PC, and I want you to think about how they make the experience um, rationalized and easy as you go from device to device, and they offer that mobility of experience that Terry was describing. The first one I'm going to focus on is Office. I think a lot of you know, our office team has been hard at work creating killer universal apps for Windows. And we've shown some early looks at these at some conferences like our Build conference, but so far, only on the PC. Today, I'm going to show you a preview version of these on the phone. And just to be clear, um, what you're seeing are office apps that are designed for Windows 10 and designed for touch. But we're going to continue to evolve our full Win32 office apps specifically for the PC. These ones were made for devices with touch screens. So let me let me uh, switch back over here. I'm still on the phone. And what I'm going to do is start with Word, Excel, and PowerPoint. Word, Excel, and PowerPoint will be included in Windows 10 on phones and small tablets. And they're going to deliver a consistent, highly rich, and highly complete office experience on those devices. So uh, as I open up Word, you see I get the familiar recent document list. I'm going to choose this uh, pretty sophisticated Word document. And it first shows up here in page layout mode, but I'm going to use this button to switch to reflow mode, which is optimized for viewing on a touch-based device like a, a phone or a small tablet. And you can see here, it's a very rich, complete Word document. The formatting is entirely accurate, but you really get a sense of the richness when I bring up the app bar down here at the bottom. Because what we've done is nicely format the familiar office ribbon right into the app bar experience. Here's the Word home tab, where I have all all the formatting commands that I would expect to find in Word. I can switch the ribbon over to one of its different tabs. I'll switch to the Review tab. And you can imagine, if somebody sends me, I'm collaborating with somebody on a Word document, they've suggested some changes. I can now use the Review tab that I use all the time on the PC to move from change to change, accept a change, reject a change, add comments, read the comments, do my collaboration while I'm on the go. And with a device like this, you get a nearly no compromises experience in terms of completeness, fidelity, and richness as you're trying to create documents or collaborate with people on documents. We think this will be a great benefit to everybody trying to be productive on their phones. Now, I'm not going to show you Excel just in the interest of time, but I am going to show you PowerPoint. And so um, once again, you'll see I open PowerPoint. It's that familiar office look with a recent list right there. I'm going to open a very large and complex PowerPoint presentation. Here we go. And I want to point out that recent document list. It does roam from device to device, from version of Office to version of Office. So if I'm using full Win32 Office on my PC and editing a document, 
document in my OneDrive or OneDrive for Business, that recent list roams across devices. When I open up this PowerPoint presentation, I want to show you once again, here on the bottom of the screen, we brought the familiar Office ribbon right to the phone's app bar experience, and I can switch here to transition view, to slideshow view, or to review view, just as I did on the phone. But I'm not going to do that. Instead, I want to show you how great a PowerPoint presentation can look when it's projected using any of the recent phones, which have hugely powerful processors and very capable graphics parts. So in this case, I'm going to pan through this, and you'll see, watch the screen, how smooth the animations and transitions are. That's an on-slide animation. I'm going to keep going. You'll see the hardware-accelerated slide transitions, and then again, a slide animation. And once again, hardware-accelerated transitions, slide animations. And all of that I'm doing today with a wire, just because we have lots of people doing wireless in here. But of course, we support Miracast, so you could present wirelessly. Um, with these Office apps, and as part of Windows 10 on phones and small tablets, we'll also support wireless printing. So we think this version of Office, tailored for Windows 10 on touch devices, will give people a very complete, easy-to-use, consistent cross-device productivity experience. Okay, I'm going to keep going. Those three apps will come as part of the Windows 10 build on phones. Now I'm going to start talking about some apps that also come on the PC. I'm going to show you the Outlook Mail client first. Our Outlook team has been working on a new universal app version of Outlook Mail and Outlook Calendar, which will be on the phone, tablets, and PCs. So here's Outlook. The first thing I want to do here is uh, I want to show you the richness of the Outlook experience and how it fits into full office. So I'm going to open a mail message and I'm going to choose to reply. Because the first thing I want to show you is that right here when I'm composing an email or replying to an email, I'm actually using the full Word engine that's now part of the phone experience. And I can prove that by pulling up the app bar right here in my Outlook mail experience. I get the same Word ribbon. I can do all that nice rich Word formatting right here in my, my email experience. And sort of uh, the uh, intensely geeky part of my demo right here for all of you in the room who I know are very familiar with Word. Word's engine supports the lorem function, which I can enter, and when I press return, it provides a whole bunch of Greek text for me to be able to format, do cool things with, but in the interest of time, I won't do that. I will let you all try that yourselves when you get the insider builds of this, and you can play around with that full Word engine built right in here to the Outlook email on the phone. Um, I'm going to keep going, and actually what I'm going to do now, I want to give you one quick look at messages here in the inbox, because the team has tried to ensure that you can use this in a very fast, convenient way. Um, whoops, I didn't mean to. Uh, let me go back. Uh, what I'm going to do here is go through and show you how the Outlook team has implemented this cool idea where a left swipe will delete, a right swipe will set a flag. And what that means is you can quickly go through a bunch of mail and figure out the stuff you want to get rid of and the stuff you want to keep. This modality will be familiar to some of you in the audience. I can go left and say no, no, no. I'll go right and say yes, yes, yes. Uh, no. And so we'll do one more yes. And so I can flag items, make them visible, and then as I use this experience across my devices, let's switch over to the PC, you'll see here's that same code. It's literally the same code written to our universal app platform. Um, I was showing it to you on the phone, and here it is on the PC. This is the Outlook experience on the PC. This Outlook mail client will be part of Windows 10. There are sync just caught up. And I can, you can, you'll notice it's familiar. It looks very similar. On the PC, it has this 
personalizable image, which I've set to my son and I, um, and I can do the same UI. I can go left to remove, right to flag. Um, if I choose an, uh, an email, of course, it goes over there. And again, I have the same rich capability right there. And you see the ribbon is displayed in place on email. Now, I want to keep going because I want to show you a bunch of these apps. So I'm going to start speeding up, and I'm going to attempt to do two-handed demoing on phone and PC at the same time. So the next thing I'm going to do is go to the calendar. Uh, let me open the calendar. And you saw on the PC, I did this in a familiar way just by clicking the calendar right down there in the bottom, something lots of Outlook users are accustomed to. And here you can see the calendar is rich and attractive. It's familiar. Um, it's high performant. I can scroll around all these items. Um, I'm now going to zoom out on the PC. And you'll see I can zoom. I'm doing a pinch zoom. I'm going to zoom all the way out to a month view. Then I'm going to zoom back in. And I can do this across both devices. I'll try to do it simultaneously. I'm zooming in to pick the number of days that I want. I go to a single day view, but on this screen, that doesn't make sense. You'll see I have my appointments are categorized, so they show up in color on both devices. That's a quick look at calendar. Now, let me keep going, because we didn't focus only on sort of the apps that are kind of business-oriented in their productivity, but we wanted to cover, you know, personal use cases that bleed over into business scenarios as well. So I want to give you a look at our brand new Photos app. Um, this is another universal app. It's implemented once, and it runs across these devices. This is the same code running on the phone and the PC. So I'm going to pan through here. I'll give you a look at the UI. You can see it's basically a simple, straightforward look at all my photos. And you can see on the phone there, it's caching images from OneDrive. Um, I'm going to come back down here. You'll see on the left, I have this app switching UI, and I can bring that up on the phone so you see what it looks like on the phone. It's the same code running on both devices, but formatted to fit the right screen. And hopefully, as you saw me pan through this collection, one of your takeaways was, man, that looks nice. Joe must have done a bunch of work to set it up for the demo. Well, what we're trying to do is make the software do the work for you. So I want to describe what's going on behind the scenes here. On any device that you own, even cross-platform devices, phones, where you're taking pictures, we have a OneDrive app, and it's built in on Windows devices, that uploads your images to OneDrive. On the PC, we're syncing your images down from OneDrive to the PC so they're available locally offline as well as in the cloud. This photo app is aggregating together all of those photos from all of those devices and giving you one simple view of your collection. If you want, you can go into the folders view and look at the detail, but we're going to try to give you one simple view. Once you start doing that, some bad things will happen. You'll get duplicate photos that are showing up twice. You'll get photos that are a burst shot where you took three of them. Our collection view eliminates all those things for you automatically so that you get a look at the photos without seeing all that clutter. Another thing we do is we automatically enhance the photos to make them look nice. So uh, here's some photos going back in time, and this one is a good example of that auto-enhance mode. You notice up there in the toolbar, auto-enhance is on because it's on by default. But I'm going to show you what would it, this would look like if it was off. Um, I'm not sure I want that scary guy in my Christmas photo collection. Um, luckily, auto-enhance handles all these things for you. I'll turn it back on. You see the red eyes are removed. The face is brightened to just the right level of brightness. And so we've made the photo look better. Unfortunately, there's nothing we can do about the horrific Christmas sweater. Um, but we're still happy with the capabilities that we're building in on the PC and in the cloud to do this auto enhancement, which you'll get benefit from on all your devices. And um, in case you're one of those users that wants to do things manually, of course, we will let you manage these settings yourself as well. You can turn any of these features off uh, and so on. Now, not everything I described is going to be in the first build for insiders, but the features will be coming. And there's one other 
feature of photos that I want to show that's not yet in our builds. So we're going to run a motion study here, and this is showing our albums feature. I mentioned how we're going to automatically remove dupes, automatically improve the way pictures look. We're going to also automatically create albums. And so what you see here in the collection view at the top are automatic albums that we created. And we do this by detecting the place, the time, the people that were all in a series of photos, and then we create a collection, which we call an album. Um, if we can, we give it a name. We let you manage it yourself if you'd like to, but we'll do it for you. When I open one of these albums, you'll see we choose a hero image, the one that we think looks best. We show you the people that are in the album. That's me with my kids doing a 5K run. And then we choose a sample set of photos that we think tell the story of the event. We format them so they look nice on the screen. We handle all of that automatically for you. It's in the cloud, so then if you'd like to share that album with other people, you can. Our intention here is to have a Photos app that exists on all these devices and that deals with the complexity of all the images you're taking with your multiple devices and, and make it work consistent across all of them. It's that mobility of experience that Terry was talking about. And part of it we can do because we're implementing it one time using our universal platform. Now, I got three more apps I'm going to show you. I'm going to go even faster so you get a sense of overview. We're going to do this by motion study. The first one is our People app, which we're implementing, again, as a universal app, one time across these devices. It aggregates all the people you care about across social networks, um, and it lets you uh, perform quick actions like making a call or sending a message or doing a Skype video call. Um, next up, our music experience, which we're continuing to evolve across all these devices. And what you'll see here is how we're using the cloud to add a song to a playlist, and then it shows up magically on all your devices. That's because in about a month or two months, we're going to add support to our system for you to put your music collection in OneDrive and have your collection stored in the cloud so you can make changes to your playlists or to your collection on any device and they're automatically reflected on all your devices. Next up, I want you to see our Maps experience, which starts with some Cortana integration. Cortana has recognized the traffic is slow, so you can open the Maps app on your PC, find an alternate route, send it to your phone, and then when you use the turn-by-turn -turn directions to drive somewhere and you arrive, you can have Cortana remember where you parked your car, and then when your event's over, she's there to help you find where you parked. So. That is a quick tour of a, our family of universal apps that we're building for the phone, small tablets, and PCs, and which we intend to deliver everything that you need for modern productivity, and which we intend to give you that mobile experience tailored for each device size they're on. In particular, we're excited to have Office, bringing a version of Office built for Windows 10 and optimized for touch with Word, Excel, and PowerPoint on the default phone experience and available in the store on the PC, and with a new Outlook mail and calendar round out the experience so it's great for productivity. I have one more app experience I want to show you. And to do that, I want to get you thinking about the state of the web. The web is indispensable. Everybody's using it all the time. And over the last number of years, it's evolved hugely, in large part because of the explosion of highly powerful mobile devices. We've seen site authors evolving their sites in sophisticated and interesting way and targeting a wide range of devices. And since we've had this rapid evolution of the web, and since we're building this new set of devices on Windows 10 with a universal platform, we think it's the right time to build a new browser for the modern web, which will empower our next generation of Windows users on Windows 10.
As a Main Menu listener, you might have questions about something you've heard here on Main Menu. You might want advice about which product that you've heard about is better for you, or you might just want to get in contact with some other technology fans who are listeners of Main Menu. To become part of the Main Menu listening community, we invite you to subscribe to the Main Menu Friends mailing list, where you can interact with not only all the members of the Main Menu staff, other broadcasters on ACB Radio, but also with hundreds of Main Menu listeners from around the world. If you would like to subscribe to the Main Menu Friends mailing list, simply send an email to mm-friends-subscribe at acbradio.org. You can also participate in discussion about Main Menu and assistive technology by following at Main Menu on Twitter and communicating with us as well as our other followers on Twitter. We look forward to interacting with our listeners. Thank you for listening to ACB Radio's Main Menu, and we hope to hear from you soon on our friends mailing list and on Twitter. to thank you for being with us this week here on Main Menu and hope you'll join us back here again next week on Main Menu. You have a great week and we'll see you soon here on Main Menu.